Welcome back to Top 5 Disco. I'm Josh. And I'm Adam. And we are back delving deeper into the discography of Counting Crows. Last week, we discussed the band's dynamic concept album, Saturday Nights and Sunday Mornings. And this week, we're going to talk about their rootsy sixth and latest album, Somewhere Under Wonderland, as well as their covers album, B-sides, and non-album tracks. Here we go. Okay, so last week we spoke extensively about Saturday Nights and Sunday Mornings, the fifth record by Counting Crows. Now, in 2009, a year after that album came out, they left Geffen Records. That was a big deal. They became independent artists. Now, after that, they went on a huge tour, the Saturday Night Rebel Rockers Traveling Circus and Medicine Show. Yes, which went for, I think, two years, actually. I think they did it again the year after, which was this crazy concept of I think like the first one was with Augustana and Michael Franti and Spearhead. And they basically, instead of just those two artists opening up for Counting Crows, they really all played equal amounts of sets and they would come in, like come on at on each other's sets and they would play with each other. It was a cool concept and I think it was successful. I personally did not love it because I just wanted to see Counting I Crows. Know. <laughs> I, I didn't see them on that tour. I, I remember did. you talking to me yeah. about that though. Anyway, their first order of business as a newly independent band was actually to put out a covers record. And so we are going to cover briefly, but we're going to still cover it because the band considers this one of their albums. Yeah, Adam is always talking about, you know, I think people will say, oh, you only have uh, five studio albums. We'll be like, no, we have six. Well, he, And very defiantly. In, yeah, in the liner notes, he says something like, songwriting isn't all there is to music. And he wanted to showcase that the band is still incredible without without his songwriting, basically. Which is great, and I so respect that. And I also completely respect the idea of taking these songs, which are mostly unknown, just songs that he and other members of the band loved. Mostly. Mostly. Yeah. Um, I love the idea of taking those and covering them. I don't think it was executed well. Nope. This album is, number one, way too long. You don't need 15 cover yeah. songs. Number two... It's just not all that great. There's just too many songs that are disposable and bad. There's just some bad songs on here, unfortunately. And I don't think that's a testament to them not pulling them off. I think there's some just some songs that are just not interesting to listen to, especially if you love Counting Crows. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's nice. It's great that these are songs that they love. And I always appreciate, you know, learning what songs my idols love and that kind of thing. But there's that, exactly what you just said. And also, I think some of the songs that they covered, they didn't change enough and make it their own. Like some of their other covers, Friend of the Devil by The Grateful Dead, even Big Yellow Taxi, stuff like that. Like they really change it and make it their own. Some of these things are just straight off the other know, record. It's I very know. it's very strange. I agree. Still, I picked out five songs that I do really like. And me some too. of these have made me want to go listen to these bands. I will admit to everyone out there, I'm a huge Counting Crows fan. I never picked this album up when it came out. I think I'd heard one song and I was like, I am not interested in hearing them do these folksy cover songs for an album. So I've only lived with this album for a couple of months. But anyway, still a lot to uh, love inside of it, scattered throughout that is exciting me about finding new music still. So why don't we list off our top fives and talk a little briefly about them? Perfect. Uh, my number five is The Ballad of El Gudo by the band Big Star. My number five is also The Ballad of El Gudo. Very nice. My number four is Like Teenage Gravity by Casey Anderson. My number four is also Like Teenage Gravity by wow, Casey Anderson. We're going to have the same list. I don't know. We'll see. My number three is Jumping Jesus by the band Sorted Humor, which is a band that Adam actually sang backgrounds in. Uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, when he was in the San Francisco Bay Area scene. 
My number three is Hospital by Kobe Brown, who also sort of wrote it or worked on it with Emmy. That's crazy to me. You don't because, like that song? No, because when you heard that song, you hated it. Oh, did I? Yes. I don't even remember this. It's grown on me tremendously. My number two song is Ooh La La by The Faces, what? or just Faces. What? what? What are you talking about? <laughs> wow. My number two is Start Again by Teenage Fan Club. And my number one is Start Again, definitely. I think that's that's my favorite thing that came out of this album, for sure. My favorite thing that came out of this album was Coming Around by Travis. I love that song. Interesting. Wow, what a cool song. Okay. What a cool sound. Yeah. Let's talk about him. Okay, so why don't we start with our collective number five song, The Ballad of El Goodo, originally by Big Star. Ain't no one going to turn me. I first heard this song on this covers album. It was It's the last song that they do on the album, I believe. Yes, You Ain't Going Nowhere is, is before that. Um, and I was always like, oh, this is kind of cool. I don't really know what this is. I didn't like love it, but I liked it. And since then, there was this article that came out of Adam Duritz's, like, I don't know if it's top 10 most like influential records. Um, and obviously, I was reading that, and I'm like, I got to listen to these. One of them was Big Star's is it called number, number, one, number record. one hit record or number one record number one record so i got way into that album i know you josh already knew that album i love that album i really loved that album and this is the second song on that album i believe and i don't know how different the versions are that's why it's at number five this right, is a perfect same. song like this is a fan well, that's why it's like difficult for me song. it's like i like it but that's what why they do that's with why it? i put it at five i knew it had to be here but they do nothing different it's just nice to hear adam's voice honestly yeah. on this song and it's just reading in the liner notes because honestly the oh, best yeah. part of this album is the liner notes yes hearing adam talk about why he picked certain songs and where he was when he heard them and how he got into the artist is really fun and interesting and moving at times so speaking of this Adam talked about how much, how Big Star has affected Adam more than any other band. Yeah. They have changed his life. And like, that is so cool. I love hearing stuff like that. He, he, he said a little story about how when Big Star had a little reunion, they asked Counting Crows to play. This is like in 96, 97 or something mm-hmm. like that. But Adam was felt like protective of the band. And he's like, you know, Counting Crows were blowing up and he didn't want the audience to be just Counting Crows fans. So he said, I will do it. I'll open for you, but I want to go by a pseudonym. I I don't want to be known as Counting Crows. What amazing guy. Like, he has so much respect for his idols and I just respect that. This is a great song. Listen to the original if you don't know it, but this is a great version too. It's pretty much the same. For sure. Next, let's talk about our collective number four, Like Teenage Gravity. That's all right. You told me if I stayed around here, you'd find a good enough place to hide. But I see you. I see you. So come on out tonight. 
to me, the reason I picked this was way more about atmosphere and mood and spaciness and the sound than the actual songwriting. Yeah. I don't know about you, but it just sounds really cool. Well, again, I feel like that's mainly what you can do with these covers. You know, it's yeah. not on them, the songwriting, I guess, but I think they did a, I don't know the original of this song. Yeah, do I? I think they did a great job. The bass is kind of throbbing throughout. I yeah, love the I think sound. in the liner notes, I guess you read through them too, but it sounds like they were having trouble with this one and then Jim just brought it down to like a low tom groove and everyone kind of sunk right into place. I think it builds really nicely and at the end, it, they just go crazy as instrumentalists. Like the guitars... The just drums. Do, 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 the drums do, 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 do. at the end of the song. Again, number four on an on an album that is fine, but I still like it. It's a good moody piece among some to me disposable folky tunes that I'm not as into. So yeah, I like this. Sound. This was one of the first ones to like stick with me when mm. I actually listened to this album. So nice. give it a listen. Next, let's talk about hospital. Hospital gowns, so you know you should be sleeping wide awake. Some pills that I shouldn't take. And I said, All right, it's all waiting unknown. I try to hold on too tight. What's interesting to me, I didn't remember that you said I hated it, but yeah. I kind of know why. Because this, the songwriting in this song sounds similar to Miami. The mm. way the melody drops with the chord changes, it doesn't sound like anything Adam would ever write. But I still kind of like it, and I like when the band comes in with the screeching guitars and drum hits. There's something exciting about it. I love the middle section when it's just instrumental, and there's like this guitar going like... And just... Everything that's not vocals. (laughs) (laughs) It's just one of the few songs in the album that's like a big, spacious rocker. There's very few songs on this album that are like that, and so it was refreshing to hear that the the low end of the drums, like there's this percussive yeah. floor toms he's mm-hmm. really using on this. Let's give it a really nice uh, feel. I also really like the the main thing I picked out from all the liner notes is that Adam was going through months of oh I prescription did read this. Uh, medication withdrawal, and this song is all about hospital bound and you know needing treatment and stuff like that and he was really like going through this withdrawal while recording this song and i think in general while working on the album but i think this one really hit him and emotionally. i think the band weirdly sort of appreciated the performance he gave because of it but he sort of looks back and i'd be like that was a really hard time especially to sing this yeah, song for sure next let's talk about your number three pick jumping jesus oh you got a great big bottle of sunshine Jumping Jesus, why oh why take the time to get inside? I like a 
lot of things about this song. I think the first thing is just that this is a band that's very close to Adam. This was one of the bands that he sang backgrounds in, and he said this was some of the most fun he ever had playing music, just singing backgrounds in this band. I think it's also because there was very little pressure on him. Well, you as can the hear it. I mean, it band. out of the gate comes with this awesome jumpy chorus. Yeah. No pun intended. No. <laughs> um, all the, all the parts of the songs. Yeah, I, it comes right in with the chorus. I love that chorus. Jumping Jesus, my oh my, he's got a great big bottle of sunshine. Also, the chord progression of that song has been used in a lot of songs that I love. Aphasia by Pinegrove. Ooh. I'm pretty sure, and I just heard this like two seconds ago. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that is the same progression. It's just a great progression, a very classic. Mm, mm, mm. Something about that. Um, verses are very cool and sparse, but when the chorus comes back in, it just kind of explodes. And I love the post-chorus of the get inside, get inside, get inside. And it's got that That makes it sound like they're friend of the devil. It does. I mean, also, I think all over August and everything after, they've got those descending lines. I think that's something that really stuck with Adam in terms of his songwriting. But all in all, cool song. (laughs) Give it a listen. (laughs) Next, let's talk about Adam's number two pick from the record, Ooh La La. very interesting response to this song. This song is just kind of a classic that never needs to be covered. Do you know this song? Wait, you didn't know this song before? No. Oh. So maybe that's where it That's happened. why. <laughs> this is such a popular song. I wish... <laughs> I wish I knew what I know now. You don't know this song? I didn't until Weird. this until this version. So honestly, maybe that's why it's so high for me because it sounds the same. It's a classic song. I just to me it didn't do anything. El Goodo I put on because I mean it's just brilliant and I just love hearing it. But fair yeah. enough. I, I think yesterday I, I was listening to the original and I thought that mm, they changed it a little, like enough in terms of just their maybe folky orchestration. But yeah, there's something about. The chorus, again, It's they didn't write it, but there's something about the way they play it and the mandolin. I remember last podcast when we were talking about Keep Your Heart Young, the chorus of that I loved specifically because, and I think I mentioned something very Counting Crows about it. Mm-hmm. It's actually, I think, very Counting Crows covering <laughs> the faces. I think it's specifically brought me back to this song, which in early college, when I, this is the only new Counting Crows I I had and I needed to find something to like. You need your fix. This uh, this song definitely hit me. So there's something really nice about it. But if you say it, you know, wasn't a huge departure from the original. So be it. I think it's tight. The main song to fall prey to that is Amy. I don't know if you ever heard the original Pure Perry League song. No, I like that song. I actually do too. But it's It's the exact same song. It's catchy, but it's flippant. But even Adam said in the liner notes, this song is just a song I like to sing. So (laughs) he just sang it. That's pretty much what happened. Anyway, for him. Next, let's talk about my number one pick from the record, Coming Around. Never see you coming around They know they got their heads screwed on I'm standing in the middle of town 
the bus and motor car. I must be sure these are the signs, because I've been here a million times. I know the last album I just picked, Come Around, right. as uh, my favorite song, No Relation, but this song is so cool. I don't know the band Travis at all, and yeah. I really want to get to know them, because immediately catchy melody, got that REM sound, the splashy drums. It just sounds so bright and hopeful. The verses, to me, sound like Adam wrote them, which I think keeps hmm. it at number one for me that this song actually feels like it could have been a Counting Crows song, except for the chorus yeah. and the layering of the vocals, which is very weird for them. Yeah. The but whole the- song has a very interesting sheen on it because Dave Bryson produced this track. Oh, cool. And I think mixed it in general. We didn't even, I don't even think we even talked about this, but this album was produced by Counting Crows. Obviously, I think this is a lot of just them kind of directing themselves and Adam, but also Sean Dealey. Not exactly sure who Sean Dealey is. But I'm pretty sure he was one of their, he's their tour uh, sound engineer, ah, which is really cool. Yes. They really kept it in the family in this record, which I appreciate. On the liner notes also, this is just an aside, Adam, normally every album he thanks all the people in his life that are important. On this record, he just says, for the first time, I just want to directly thank my band. And it's yeah. just this beautiful sentiment of keeping it, you know, all together, just really appreciating the band dynamic and, mm-hmm. and having your your sound guy who goes on tour with you producing yeah. this album. It's such a cool thing. Well, he also talked a lot uh, in the liner notes about how this is the best he thinks the band has ever played in terms of listening to one another. <laughs> I, I know. It's like... <laughs> you sure about that? <laughs> I guess what he means is in terms of actually listening as musicians and recording everything live and playing off one another. Still, I think the parts, obviously, on their original stuff are just like, yeah. oh my God, light years ahead of this. But anyway. Back to coming around. Yes. The, there's kind of like acrobatic guitar work going all over this song. I'm sorry. I got off on a tangent before we get back <laughs> to the acrobatic guitar work. What I was saying before is that Sean Dealey produced it and Brian Deck who worked on Sunday mornings, uh, mixed this album, but this specific song... He didn't. For whatever reason, the mix that he and Sean were working on didn't sound as good to Adam as just the kind of rough mix that Dave put together. And Adam was just like, this sounds perfect. Put that on the record. So that's why I think it has a different sheen to it. It does have a different sheen to it, but I actually like it. It's refreshing to me because most of the record I don't like the Mm -hmm. sound of, to be honest. But yeah, it just has a very Counting Crows sound, especially in the bridge with the Mellotron and these killer drum fills. It's a really cool song. Check it out. And finally, let's talk about Adam's number one pick and my number two pick, Start Again. This song it's beautiful. Yeah. And I think they did a really good job counting crowsifying. <laughs> yeah, they did. Making the song. it acoustic. Have you heard the original? Yes, I have. The original's really good too. <laughs> the original is good, is what I was saying. But they do make it more acoustic and folky and I think at the core it is a very good song. So that helped. But they just brought it way down to their usual kind of folky acousticness, if that's what I mean. And I don't really have much more to say about it except Dave when he comes in on those. 
I love it. It's classic Dave putting the Counting Crow spin on the song. Just great melodies. But again, it's they're not changed that much from the original. I think just as a whole, the song just I agree. I love the chorus, me. especially at the end where the tempo shifts a little bit. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. All right, not the tempo shift, but sort of the drum hits at the end. I love the end of that chorus. Oh, start again. again. I, I don't know. know if you can... Yeah, that's like one of the only songs off this album I would be happy to hear them play live, which Mm. I think I actually have heard them play live. It's really cool. They do it really well. So yeah, so those are our top fives. I just want to list off some of the other songs that they recorded just for your information. Um, The first one is Untitled, in parentheses, Love Song by the Romany Rye, the Romany Rye. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it. Um... They also do Mercy by the band Tender Mercies, which is actually a band that Dan Vickery was a part of, uh, again, in the early 90s or maybe late 80s. I'm not exactly sure. Um, And very recently, I think around the time that this album was recorded, this covers album, the band got together again, uh, including Jim. Right. Um, and I think Charlie was on the original one. I'm not sure if he's in this new version of it. Anyway, there's another song on this album by Tender Mercies, Four White Stallions, which also shows up on the New Amsterdam live at Heineken Hall. Um, I think that version is great. I actually really like the it's one. It's never done much for no? me. No? I don't know. There's part of it that I really like. This one has a few different moments, but it's pretty much the same exact thing that you could get off that live album. Um, Meet on the Ledge is another one by this uh, band Fairport Convention. I mean, they're a classic band. I actually don't know them. Classic 60s British psychedelic. Uh, This cover, I don't know if it's the song, if it's them, is so boring. I like the end of it a lot, especially when Adam's going, there's some cool stuff there. Um, We already talked about Amy by Pure Prairie League. Uh, All My Failures by the band Dawes, which is interesting. I don't know this band at all. They're a newer band. Some people have told me they Dawes. If I like Counting Crows, I'd like Dawes. And yet this song does not make me want to check out that <laughs> band. I really, unfortunately, don't care about this song. Um, Return of the Grievous Angel by Graham Parsons. Probably the most skippable song on this, Boring. On this album. And yet it kind of foreshadows a song of theirs on their most recent record, which is unfortunate, but we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, and then the last one that I mentioned just briefly was You Ain't Going Nowhere, which was originally written by Bob Dylan, but I'm not sure if it's the version they play is the Birds version, right? or if it was made more popular by the Birds, but anyway, that's it. That's the 15 songs that they decided to record. I don't usually disagree with the choices that this band makes and you know what i i I don't i can't really disagree with it because i love them so much because they do what they want to do and yet this was the first time i was disappointed by one of their releases thankfully it was a release of covers it wasn't the originals but speaking of uh the next thing we're going to talk about is their most recent and newest uh, release of originals, Somewhere Under Wonderland. Right. So in 2013, they started working on new material. Apparently, they had a long writing session and wrote almost the entire record in one sitting. Uh, they signed to Capitol Records, so so much for being an independent band for right. that one covers album. But yeah, they put out Somewhere Under Wonderland, their sixth record or of original material. <laughs> Adam might call Adam it their, the seventh, seventh. their seventh, rather. Came out in September of 2014. 
their shortest record to date in length and in track listing. Right. Only nine songs on here. It's a very different album for them in a lot of ways. It is. I don't like... I don't like this album. Well, definitely this is my least favorite of their albums, but I don't know. I don't really know how all the albums are written and whatnot, but the fact that he got together with, who is it? Emmy, Millard, and Dan, and together they wrote like six out of the nine songs. Something about it, like, obviously I'd feel differently if the if the product was great, but I'm wondering if they were trying something new in terms of how they wrote. It wasn't really Adam at a piano. Granted, the bookend songs were written by Adam, Palisades Park and Possibility gotcha. Days. I feel differently about both of those, but still, still, there's something that just felt different about this, like haphazardly put together. I don't really know a lot of the history about how this album's put together. I think a lot of this is maybe just a bias because I don't love the album, but I think that has to do with two things. First of all, I don't like the way the album sounds. I don't I like... I hate the way the album sounds. I don't sounds. like the production. The production is shit compared to all other production. Yeah, I don't get it. On their it, album it either. It wrong. Like, his voice is too high in the his mix. His voice is way too up it's, front. And, it's and skeletal of, in some ways. You're missing some of the atmospheric... The thing is that some of the instrumentalists, the other musicians in the band, are playing some good parts that are very Counting Crows, yet you can't hear them because of how the the album is mixed it's so it's such a shame it really is because it ruins some songs that i think would i would enjoy better if they were produced better if yeah they were and i don't know better. how much of it is mixing versus production it's sean Dealey again on the engineering recording of it and mixing well and actually it's flipped because an underwater sunshine brian deck was mixing it that's right. sean Dealey was producing it now it's flipped yet they still were working together and i mean it's the producer's job along with the bands like everyone has to sign off on this so yeah. they all thought this was fine this really maybe they were trying to capture a more live sound because part of it really does sound more live than any of their other records to me to me i see this album as the culmination of them doing their outlaw road show and their covers album and being excited by folksy traditional music more than their other sounds very very well said i totally agree i also think lyrically even though there are a lot of great lyrics on this album i think and it's very lyrically heavy i think both underwater sunshine and the play that adam was writing for i think writing he like used uh chelsea you know one of counting crow's songs and uh, an unreleased song of theirs, Good Luck. He used those two as music for the play, but I think he was actually co-writing a play with someone. So he found that he liked writing for other people other than himself. So that mixed with Underwater Sunshine, uh, yeah, Underwater Sunshine kind of culminated in this record, which still at times in certain songs for sure and in certain moments of other songs still feels like Counting Crows. Absolutely. The Counting Crows that we love. Absolutely. But... There is something that Something's doesn't seem gen genuine. I don't want to say that because this is what they genuinely wanted to do and what they produced, but it doesn't feel as original. I'm going to use the word effortless again. This doesn't feel that way. Many times there are very few melodies that feel 
right. Something just feels just off general, about the record. I don't think there are a lot of great melodies. I think because it's lyrically heavy, it's sometimes at the expense of melodic complexity. I don't think that's ever been a problem for him. So I don't know if I could blame that. I think it's just something yeah, was that's off. Yeah, a good point. But anyway, let's talk about the stuff that we do love in this album. Love or like or what have you. Um, let's go through our top five. Okay, so I'll start it off. My number five pick for Somewhere Under Wonderland is John Appleseed's Lament. I'm very glad that you put that on there because that is also my number five pick. Oh, John a, Appleseed's a grower for Lament. Me. Yeah. My number four pick is Dislocation. My number four pick is Dislocation. I am wondering if we have the exact same list. My number three pick is Elvis Went to Hollywood. I knew that would be where we uh, diverge. My number three pick is Scarecrow. Whoa. Okay. My number two pick is God of Ocean Tides. My number two pick is God of Ocean Tides. And the number one song on this record. Number one. Far and away better than anything, in my opinion, on the record. Yeah. One of the best songs he's ever written. Is Palisades Park. Palisades Park. Okay, let's start with our collective number five pick, John Appleseed's Lament. So, on any other record, this song would probably be, like, fine, you yeah. know? <laughs> but on this record of nine songs, this is cool. It's a different song for them, kind of like it, Washington Square. It actually reminds me more of Mrs. Potter's Lullaby. Do you not feel that? No, I don't. I mean, I, well, Mrs. Potter's Lullaby has verse and chorus, verse and chorus. I'm, you know thinking that this is similar to Washington Square because it's just verses. Right. It's just these stanzas. There's never a chorus. Um, this is really Adam at the forefront. I mean, his vocals and his lyrics on this song are great. He yeah. really does sound good on this. It's very cool, like you said. He does. And it also builds very well. Again, from verse to verse to verse, they make each one, he makes each one as well, yeah. sound different and bigger and... This song is also kind of a type of blues, which when we talked about Mercury, you know, I don't really love that. I think it worked a little bit better here. Um, I'm if, jumping. Go ahead. No. I'm jumping to one of the stanzas where for the first time and the only time they change up the chords when he says, I call the song my love Emmanuel because she cradles me in her embrace. They change the chords there, which is really cool and really effective because you don't hear it before. He's got some nice melodies throughout there, like, how'd you find the parties? I like that kind of swagginess and the, everybody loves you when you hit the ground. I That's like a great melody. The mind provides the sign. Oh, the mind. I love he's that. got these cool yeah. twisty things that he's doing and it's, it's fun. It's a fun listen. For sure. Lyrically, there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about. I lyrically. love the lyric. I cigarette the winter air and Fred Astaire my way down 7th Street. That so is such good. a cool line. So good. There are two, one definitely, the other one I'm not so sure, but I think two lyrics that are calling back to round here. The first one is, I stepped out the front door. I think I've heard him actually say he wanted to write something about that. But then there's some chick yells, Jesus loves me more than I know, but less than I need. And there's a, what is it? Girl in a car in a parking lot. 
Oh, she takes all her clothes off, says she's close to understanding Jesus. There's something there. I don't know what he's going for in terms of that. There is something special about this song in a lot of ways, lyrically. He talks about Maria again. I call the wind Maria because I do not know her face. He references himself for the first exactly, time. That Come too. on, Adam. There's yeah. a lot There's a lot that he hasn't done lyrically or that he's specifically calling back to lyrically in this, which is cool. Also, I really like, if you decide that you can't hide inside, your mind provides a slide to get you out. Very well written. Good it wordplay. Feels, it just sounds very good. I parade down the Bowery to the Battery, and then I step off into the air, point my sunglasses east towards Jerusalem, and then follow all the pharaohs there. Very New York. I love that line so as well. So cool. Yeah. And again, still, the band is doing well with making this interesting. Dan and Immy together are having these cool... Yeah, the and especially uh, for the uh, parade, Dan's going. It's very cool. And after the circus is everywhere, is this guitar squealing oh, I solo? Love it's like Amy's just yeah. manic slides because they've never done that before. So that kind of stuff is really cool to me. I love hearing this stuff. That it's they still haven't not done. my favorite sound, though. No, for sure. Yeah, it's still very because it's still kind of just like a blues progression. It doesn't sound chordally and melodically like Counting Crows. Right, but. Still cool. Next, let's talk about our collective number four pick, Dislocation. Dislocation. taking shots. Getting laid in parking lots. Getting high and getting caught. I am surprised that this is on your list. That being said, there are nine songs to choose That's from. That's why. Because this is the same exact thing as Insignificant and Have You Seen Me Lately. The, you chorus, the chorus sucks. The chorus, to me, does not suck as much as it oh, does for you. God. But the verses are amazing in the this song. The production in general ruins this song. It specifically ruins the chorus of this song for me, and I'll explain why when we get to the chorus, but... Go ahead with the swaggery rock and roll verses. Yeah, and the verses have this like muted guitar scratching. There's drum clicks. Yeah, it's very cool that it's just uh, Jim clicking and, and hitting the snare drum. And then I think Emmy just like crunching on guitar. That's the main verse. And then even the pre-chorus is pretty lame. It's sort of plodding piano. Oh, God. What? You're talking about the, so I ride to all the girly men. I love dun, the bass. Dun, 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 dun. I love Ugh. the bass on that. It's kind of cool. Not for me. And then again, luckily the verses just, the vocals in the verses just get better and better and they better. Do. Oh my God. I love the stuff he sings on this. All my broken paper planes. Parachutes and window panes. I'm a shooting star. Got no cane. I know. That's awesome. And then you just get this bland ass chorus for such a kinetic verse. It's just so. The solo is so lame. Solo is lame. Buried in the mix. The only thing that sounds good is the drums. Like nothing about this sounds that good. I don't know. I like the transition in the third verse when he goes, "I know," and Jim is doing something cool. And I don't know if it's Dan or Emmy is going. The choruses, again, to me, 
are not as bad as dislocation. Please don't sing it like that. Dislocation. <laughs> There's no way to not sing it like that. That's the chorus. <laughs> it's just not good. I actually I like the note of dislocation over the chord that's being played okay. there. I I understand you know the simplicity of just singing the chorus like that. The best part of this, which you can barely hear, and the first time we both heard this song was live in Central Park. And Dan has this, and when I heard that, I was like, yes, that is so Counting Crows. I love it. And it was so audible. And on this fucking recording, it's so low in the mix. His voice is so up there. It's like, what is this? So disappointed. Really, I think this song probably could have been higher on my list if it was produced better. Something about the production really just ruins it. It also kind of just feels a little forced. Yeah. Something about it feels forced. In general, this album is kind of a mishmash. There's no real cohesiveness. I don't get that sense. This song, I think, had a lot of potential. I just don't have that much to say about it. And I think that's a the testament. worst part about this album is that there's just not much to talk about because there's usually so much we love and there's just not that much here. Yeah. A couple lines I wanted to bring up. I was mentioning this earlier. So I write to all the girly magazines, splash my passion on the pages in between. It's gross. It's gross. (laughs) I love it because of how honest it is. It's just not the same as slipping in between and fingers into you. I don't really want to hear about you coming all over (laughs) the pages of a girly magazine. Sorry. Um, I was an alien in utero, somehow missed New Mexico, fell to earth in Baltimore. Colorful way of just saying. You know, just when you were saying that lyric, here's one thing that I wanted to talk about. Another reason why I don't like this album lyrically. Yeah. I went through oh my i did you I do the wa- same thing no i wanted to i'm glad you did though how many i went through every so especially on this album adam likes to call out cities and towns and countries and he's just using the names of places to color his lyrics and at, on this album it becomes distracting because of how much he does I agree. it so i went through every counting crows album and tallied oh you went through how all many, of them so listen august and everything after only eight times. Nice. Very few times. Recovering the Satellites, nine times. Very few. This Desert Life, nine times. Hard Candy, 14. When we get to Saturday nights, we're up to 22. Oh, interesting. Somewhere Under Wonderland has 39 <laughs> references to different cities and states oh and countries. It's, it, it's kind of a joke. It really feels like a joke at this point. I think I read that during the recording of Hard Candy, the band had like a board called like Adam's World Domination Board because oh, they no. realized how many places he was mentioning in songs. And for him, he's just a very specific writer. He writes about places. He writes about people. I, I just, I think... I think that this was partially just a joke. I really do. I really think this is partially like, how many names can I fit in this album? I hope not. Which is to such a me, shame. It's funny that you say that like like that. To me, it feels like lazier writing. Where I don't think so. I think I think there's a lot of great lyrics on this album. Actually, I don't think he needed to rely on but, that. But what I mean is, I think he's using it to sort of act like a folk troubadour, sort oh. of similar to what he was covering in the last album, and the, the road show. Just everything. He seems a little more folksy and like, yeah, it it doesn't work for me. Anyway, anyway, that's dislocation. I guess. <sighs> okay, next let's talk about my number three pick that didn't make it on your list. Elvis went to Hollywood. Goodbye, a taste of wedding cakes, the sound of nursery rhymes, the ghosts of Fredericksburg, of Alex Chilton, 
This, this song like I did what, this, what happened this album suffers from great verses and choruses that do not hit 100% me. agree I, I really think all of them I really I really do I mean God of Ocean Tides doesn't really have a chorus so thankfully it doesn't suffer from that I think all the rest suffer exactly from that this just like dislocation great verses like holy shit good verses I love the verses of this song you know what I just said it so defiantly the second verse is the best. The other verses are cool. I actually don't even love it that much. Really? Yeah. Something to me about the descending guitar yeah, chugging in the verses. Yeah, it recovering the satellites. Yes, it does. It does feel satellites. And and yeah, the, the lyrics are weird and there's cool stuff going on, but it just falls flat once again, just like Dislocation. Again, we are talking about our top five songs on this album. And yeah. do you see how negative we're being? Like it's it's yeah. sad. It's very sad it because is. there's so many vocal parts. So long goodbye. Like I love when he sings that. I love it. The ghost of Fredericksburg, of Alex Chilton, of Victor Frankenstein, the girl you'll always love, the I one love you part. had no I memory love of. That, part. that right there is in, is not Angel of the Silences, recovering the satellites. <laughs> So also, I love that he name dro- name drops Alex, Alex Chilton, Chilton, who yeah. is one of the lead singer and songwriters of Big Star, uh, Big Star, right? Who we were talking about before. There are some cool synths that they actually add later in the song, which I find like an interesting texture. You do yeah. not agree? Yeah, uh, yeah, I do. There's still something specifically about just that middle verse that really hits me. That's the best part of this song for sure. Even the chorus, like I don't like that it becomes a little more like peppy and hokey. Like the verses feel like recovering the satellites in it's in the angstiness. There's some angsty and then it becomes a little more peppy, but what just fucking ruins the chorus so much are the worst lyrics ever. We're driving on the ceiling. There are aliens on motorcycles riding in the radio while we destroy the world. What are you saying? <laughs> it's like, nonsense. Honestly, it's nonsense. I, I don't know what you're trying to get across with that lyric. I would have liked this song better if it had different lyrics in the chorus. I would have liked that chorus better. I still don't like the chorus, but but yeah. Uh, the hits are kind of cool. The uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, no. You know what I hate is the that's when. <laughs> what is that? It's so bad. I think there's a good guitar solo in this song. Mm, no, because the guitar solo is over this key change, which is a nice idea, but so poorly executed. That mm. key change, you don't need it. There's something very weird with the key of this song, too. As soon as November Promises comes in, it sounds wrong the melody sounds wrong november promises it seems it's different when the second verse comes in i don't like this song oh no i like the outro oh you know what i forgot to talk about in dislocation great ending when millard goes and the guitar changes similar thing with elvis there's a really cool uh outro where it picks up and tambourine and like and cowbell comes in and like a cool tight ending there's like a couple things here and there that are kind of cool but overall not a fan yeah Next, we'll talk about Adam's number three pick, Scarecrow. 
got the bedroom bars under cover Russians and a pink Rolls Royce. They bang the drum, she sets the beat. They carry Miss America out into the street. Sing Snowman, Scarecrow, John Doe, Buffalo. I wish you wouldn't go. I got the arms to reach you. I am Scarecrow. What is also mind-boggling to me is that certain songs seem to have better production than other ones. Like this, Palisades Park, maybe God of Ocean Tides. I don't know. I'm, thankfully, those are my top three. I don't actually know if that is the reason, mm. but um, there's something about this song that, compared to others, I think works very well as a whole piece. It feels cohesive as a song compared to the other ones. You know, I was just, I was talking before about how, you know, I think the choruses on this album pale in comparison to the verses. The first half of this chorus, I like a lot. I, I know you and I have talked about when the, when this album first came out, we were like, what is it about the chorus that we like? What is it about that simple it's chord true. change? I was going to say this song in general feels very simple to me. But something just keeps bringing me back. I really like listening to the song, even though it's simplistic to me. Yeah, I mean, I'll go back just to the beginning. I find this to be have so much attitude. And you know, I was talking about Los Angeles, and I was gonna, I was saying, you know, there's another song on this album that feels similar in terms of the dueling guitars. I love Emmy and Dan just kind of shredding together at the beginning and the end. They are going crazy at the end. It feels so good. And again, it's just that similar like similar fat beat to even like i wish i was a girl and mm. even los angeles but this time it's jim um and it just feels really good the verses are good they're fine but then it's like she wants the one he brings a case to carry us on through it's like it's nothing special the i like to get the, repetitive they do i love that the mellotron is back i'm sure when this came out i was just so happy to hear some classic <laughs> counting crow stuff uh, come back very cool guitar swells into the chorus again on an album that doesn't have too much production going on it's cool to have this sort of oh i wish you wouldn't go i got the arms to reach you i am the scarecrow that's the best part and then you get the but i do like the oh i like that but those dodo does remind me of the it's just like i don't know why you need to do those types of vocalizations i find stupid more than the na 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 na's to me what's a little disappointing about the song is that it seems like adam's actually holding back so it's very funny it's not funny at all actually it's very <laughs> sad um but i'm glad you brought that up it's not that he's holding back something i didn't really even bring up is that I was talking earlier in the podcast about this guy didn't really take care of his voice. He was just kind of screaming. And, you know, you were mentioning he can't sing certain songs higher. His voice in general, there were also six years between Saturday Nights and Sunday Mornings in this album. And in that time, he lost some of his range for sure. Even by Saturday Nights and Sunday Mornings, he could still scream some of these songs. Like, can you, listening to, listening to Saturday Nights and hearing, like, the notes he hits in Sundays, insignificant, he needs something like that at the end of this song, and he doesn't do it. He, I always feel, I don't he can't. Think, I don't think he can. I yeah. really, I, his voice in general has just gotten gruffer, if that's a word. It's just, it's different. It has changed. He's 54 years old. Like, in general, he I don't want to say. some notes in John Appleseed's Lament, though. 
that I wish he hit here. You know what I mean? When he's yeah, come on, come outside your bedroom. Yeah, yeah he like, but it's so obvious to me that he's like straining, really straining. And yes, he could have. And I agree a hundred percent. This outro could have used him vocalizing. Yeah. All of the the past records have him just singing awesome shit at the end, <laughs> getting higher and higher. And this, he's just very much there, subdued. just kind of gruff and subdued. Yeah. yeah, which is too bad. But you know what? At the same time, it is what it is. And they put out five incredible records where his voice is a certain way and i'm you know i'm down like he's gonna he's adam he's you know this is who he is now i almost think i want them to write things that maybe suit his voice better it's not like these don't don't suit his voice i was gonna say what if these were the songs maybe that's why it's a different sound yeah well that is something that i've thought about i don't know it's just too bad but i can't live in the past and there's still a lot of good moments and a couple good songs on this record something i didn't talk about yet is the bridge of the song i really like this bridge uh, all of a sudden the light inside you dies it's got this mellotron and it's cool yeah this cool twangy guitar i actually just think it fits really well um and i don't really know how many bridges there are on this album maybe there's some like bad guitar solos but, <laughs> but i think this works really well and again as a whole i think the reason that this was number three aside from the fact that there are not a lot to choose from is that it works really well together as a song. I think parts bleed into each other well. I don't know. And it's it's a song that I, I wouldn't mind seeing live. I kind of like it. And you're right. You know what? This does suit his voice well. It it feels... He can still go, oh, <laughs> yeah. you ought to know. And there's still have that grit in it. There's something about this song. I'm happy they wrote it. I am happy that they wrote this song. It's still kind of like Southern rock flair, like, you know, that they have in their other stuff, but it feels different. And I don't even know if it's a progression, but I'm happy with it. Okay, now let's get into the part of the album we can actually be excited to talk about. Our collective number two song on this album is God of Ocean Tides. Gods of water, gods of rain, cover up the sun again. We are crossing a Mississippi line. And I tried all of my days to love you just the way hoped I might, but I'm leaving here tonight. I can't remember yesterday. I tried if I said I could. So this is another song that has those acoustic guitars. This playing reminds around me a lot of When I Dream of Michelangelo. I remember that you said that when we first listened to this album four years ago and you were just saying that it was probably like a lesser version of When I Dream of Michelangelo. It is. Michael, When I Dream of Michelangelo is such a perfect song. It's like, I, I, I know what you mean by them sounding similar. I just think it's different enough that I can appreciate it as its own thing. This is the only song... No, that's not true. Palisades Park as well. But this is one of the only songs that really showcases the orchestration that Counting Crows can do that you and I both love. Extremely tasteful. Um, But I guess I am now comparing it to when I drew Michelangelo. While those verses sound folky, they also still sound beautiful and melodic. This one sounds a little more, close the door on a short night, leave the lid in the daylight. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Uh, That being said, it's a cool structure. I like when it changes to all night long riding and then the Mellotron comes in and that's the only time you hear that part. And then it goes to the truck stops and river gods and you got bells. It's got all the things you love about <laughs> Counting Crows. Uh, and the best part, one of the best parts actually, sorry, 
is the bridge. Feel free to jump in here if you want. Otherwise, I can gush about it all day. I love that. Along with your memories of me, we are born in water and I will return to thee. Colored lights. And then this repeated acoustic part. You know what? You you just got to hear this. Candle wax. Paper plates. Breathe the water. Push it by, push it by. You can see through water. I actually think this is the best part of the whole album. This moment right here. I remember you and I listened to this for the first time live, and we were just floored by this part. Also, there was like this blue light covering the band, mm. and I was just like, this is beautiful. This, yeah, is, this is really Rose. special. Yeah. This is what we love, right? These just amazingly interesting and colorful production and yes. orchestration choices of this beautiful little moment that's just captured here. Yes. I really love this part. I do too, but I still think actually my favorite part is the third verse when he sings. I First of all, these lyrics are just so Adam Duritz. I love it. I tried all my days to love you just the way you hoped I might, but I'm leaving here tonight. I can't remember yesterday. I tried. If I said I could, I lied. But when that part comes in, I can't remember yesterday. The guitar pickings are perfect. And again, Dan with his fucking arpeggios, that they get me every time. <laughs> and I remember... This song was just like out on YouTube. I couldn't, the album wasn't even out yet. And I just was playing this. I was eating up all my data, just playing this over and over again, especially this part because I loved it so much. And it's a beautiful ending too. Whatever they, you know, the acoustic part at the end and at the beginning, it's a nice intro. All in all, really good song. I like it. Again, if this was on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings, it probably wouldn't, it's not the same tier as those first three on Sunday mornings. Still, it's very nice. It still showcases what this band can do. And finally, we come to our collective number one. And in my mind, the only song on this record that can really measure up to the rest of the discography, as much as we talked about how good God of Ocean Tides is, mm-hmm. you've got to hear Palisades Park. I can't get off the tilt. There's a photograph on the TV, black and white, and Andy says something to you. Jack Johnson straddling Reno, Nevada, like she's I forget myself sometimes too. I'll pass the doorway where we are sleeping. Well, the white queen's creeping, the time cats peeping. This is a masterpiece. It's another masterpiece. It's amazing that they wrote this song, especially for how much we're complaining about how frustrated we are with this record. I'm so proud of them for writing this. Like, I mean, this is, yes, I'm, Adam wrote this song, I just have to say. I mean, he wrote the words, he wrote the lyrics, but along with what you're saying, what the band does with what he wrote is so good, so good. This, along with God of Ocean Tides, in terms of their musicality, is such a good showcase. They, they're all doing great things. Charlie is just killing it throughout the entire song, all of his parts, all of Dan's little... 
man. I mean, just starting it off with trumpet, which we haven't heard since yes. Carriage. There's this undulating piano. And then when the bass and drums come in and that hazy guitar you were talking about, yep. it just got the atmosphere that I've been missing on this whole album. Yes. It's got the, the Counting Crows sound, yep. finally. It sounds epic and important and still different. There is still a difference here, which is cool. It would have been amazing to have an album full of, I don't even know what it would look like because the song is so unique and has so many different parts, but to have an album that is like this song would have been so cool because hearing this, it's like, oh, this is a new direction. Right. So cool. It's so progressive for them. I mean, it's got multiple parts, some that go back to itself and some that never happen again. Yeah. And there's just so much to love about this. I know you maybe have not been as crazy about the chorus, you know, the pop chorus that I'm still I love it. not. I, I think, still don't love I it. I think it's a switch to major or, or just switch to this bright poppy chorus that really works for this song. phase two of this song where the piano slows down oh my god and then he starts have you seen my 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 Annie? yeah like the whole this gorgeous second piano, half of the song, jazzy like drum shuffle minutes, it's just very cool what he comes up with and every little like every 15 seconds it's just something different that you never go back to and dressed up in a pirate festival leathers and feathers oh, and jazzy and sexy and interesting he's starting to whisper a little bit i mean he's just got so much going on here yeah. i love the come outside that whole every time he sings that it, it builds and builds and builds and you get these backgrounds that come, come just outside. i gotta play this for you This is another great moment on this album. And I love when the bells come back in and the full beat comes so in. Twinkly. The cops all think we're crazy. And, the, and the, the background vocals on this part are, yeah. are immaculate. And then it doesn't stop. It keeps going. Love is like angel dust. And there's so many conducted parts. And I'm pretty sure when they recorded it, he was up there singing while they were playing and he was actually conducting you have it with to. His there's hands. so many stops and yeah. starts and slowing downs which yeah. is still amazing that they got this all in i'm assuming one take i mean obviously it's possible for certain things to be overdubbed if there's a better vocal take of his but very very cool and i have to say some of these lyrics because i really love them tomorrow's the name we change from yesterday to blame when the train just don't stop here anymore so well said. I love the lyric. These days my yes. life just careens through a pinball machine. I could do so much better, but I can't get off the tilt. Wow. That's a great Even better. Lyric. Yes. Yeah. So good. You walked into the bar like some Saturday star, studs straight on spiked heels and needles and nerves. You're a downtown pride, fully amplified Clyde, gin tight and aging but well preserved. This one isn't even that special, but love is like angel dust. You Lovely love sometimes changes us. I don't know, something about that just yeah. hits me. It's very pretty. And this whole ending, this entire ending to the song is beautiful. I just love the way this song ends. It's 
No, oh, man, it's it's really special. Adam has said this is, Adam Duritz has said this is one of the best songs he's ever written. I mean, it's hard to argue at part points. It's also, again, still they're still counting crows in the fact that this is their lead single and it's like over eight minutes. And I love that. They're just like, I don't, I don't give a shit. Like, this is our masterpiece. Listen to it. It truly is. This is a fantastic song. Okay, now that we've talked about our top five favorite songs on Somewhere Under Wonderland, let's go straight from Palisades Park to the second song, Earthquake Driver. I hate the intro to this song. One, two, buckle, It's so <laughs> dumb. It's so goofy and not in a fun, even hanging around way. I just don't like this. Yeah, I specifically hate the choruses. I hate the lyric. I want to be an earthquake driver. It's I want to be an, an aquarium diver. It's like the same thing as aliens on motorcycles. Like, I don't really know. Like, I kind of know what he's saying, but it just sounds stupid. It just sounds he's dumb. He's just picking words out that sound cool to him, but aren't saying anything. I guess. I mean, the verses, I think, are, I think lyrically, the verses are great. I live alone, but I'm hungry for affection. I just struggle with connection till the water calls me home down under the ocean among millions of other lonely people drowning among the only people we are ever going to know. There's... I could go on and on. There are so many good lyrics He's in this song. He's also got a very Dylan-y way of singing the verses. It's super hmm. folky. Yeah. The best part of this song for sure is the bridge. Be like the people I see. Hey man, they want a rose just like me. I want to stay but keeps me away. Cuz I'm plugged into the lightning and I want to be where the sun is shining all night chasing time. I We're right back to, just like in four days, that just thumping bass. And the melody is great. I want to be like the people I see. The chorus vocals over that are, are yeah. so sweet. Oh, so good. Otherwise, it's okay. To me, it's very indicative of the sound they're in now, and it's just not my favorite. Yeah, the chorus just, I hate the... It's so goofy and hokey and a yeah. really ugly last note of the song. <laughs> From there, we already spoke about Dislocation, God of Ocean Tides, Scarecrow, Elvis Went to Hollywood. Then we get a song called Cover Up the Sun. Another stupid count-off. I don't need that in my songs. They're sort of going for this live feel. We're a live band one, now. One, two, three. Oh, God, it's just not my style. This song... This is the one that I said sounds kind of like Return of the Grievous Angel from their covers album this song is just down in hicksville it's like so not i mean this is what adam wanted to write this is what they wanted to write but it's to just me so this is not boring it's, it's for a, boring. a song that's so upbeat why are there slow ballads so much more captivating yeah there's not there's nothing about this that i can latch on there's nothing unique about it and this is the biggest culprit in terms of countries that he's just naming off <laughs> oh man the best part of this the background vocals, which is two members of the band Foreign Fields and one of the band Boom Forest, especially this New York, she's a queen. There's like some nice harmonies cool. going I like on. That part. You always said that the chorus sounds Every like time. Caroline by Brandy Carlisle. By Brandy to you. You're just You can't just say You can't just say that hitting <laughs> hitting notes and singing I can notes. And I will. You're wrong. <laughs> but it's distracting to me just like you you're you're noticing a theme. When I find songs that to me just remind me immediately of something else, it's just as distracting in my brain. Fair I can't enough. I can't turn it off. I just want off. everyone to know that that's your brain. <laughs> <laughs> and they Fair might enough. not think that same way. Love hearing mandolin. The drums on the chorus are so stupid. <laughs> really not a good song. Bad song. 
So finally, we already spoke about the penultimate song, John Appleseed's Lament, and finally we'll get to the finale, the closer of the most recent record, the song Possibility Days. So this is the other one. I, I actually, is this the only other one that's written uh, just by Adam? I think so. So the, the album is bookended by Pos- uh, Palisades Park and Possibility Days. The best song on the album and one of the worst, to me, songs on the album. It sounds like they were trying to go for another holiday in Spain or something. To me, this song starts off promising. I actually like some of the melodies. We went from zero to everything. Like, there are some good moments. And then this song just devolves into Drek. This is a shitty song, to be fair. That's absolutely fair. It just gets plodding and whiny so whiny and again we've talked about you know me being upset that people call adam whiny no 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 he's an incredible vocalist here is where i start to get turned off by the way he's singing which has never happened what is he doing here i was talking about tom DeLong in the motion <laughs> uh, podcast um one of the songs off their last album and now this song goodbye and good night why it's is like, he singing that way i don't know but you know what i i don't really want to fault him for it that's those are that's the least of my issues <laughs> really? with with the, the vocals song are so cloying the, the arrangement co- is boring the chorus chords are so overused so overused i hate the phrase possibility days like (laughs) you can come up with some other like obviously all the lyrics i have talked about today on this podcast as a whole so many he is so good at writing things saying things a certain way but just coming up with the the phrase a possibility day or impossibility or whatever it's like possibilities are impossible i just find it really stupid and I, the chorus sounds so awkward. The worst part of a good day is <laughs> something's it. wrong. Something is very wrong uh, here. And it's like in my notes, you know, I'm writing, I'm writing. Oh, I like this, you know, acoustic lick at the end. But if that was in any other song, I don't think I would have paid any attention to it. It wouldn't have been that cool. And at the very end, I was talking about in early Brandy uh, Carlisle albums when we were talking about her in the last podcast. She would always have to like end these songs on the tonic note, on the tonic <laughs> right. chord. This one, like the penultimate chord is so great. The chord that they do, uh, I can't even sing it right now, but unfortunately they have to end off the song with that. Dum. Anyways. They blew just, it. They blew it. They blew it I on really this album. Really, yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, we can talk about the album as a whole now. It's not good. And I, I can't believe it's the same band. I mean, I can based on the few parts here and there and this song and maybe that song. But what's crazy is I would give someone Pal- uh, Palisades Park in a heartbeat and be like, listen to this. This is Counting Crows. Yeah. But nothing else. I do love God, Ocean- God of Ocean Tides, but you said it already. Even that would not be a great be a, song on any song other that album. I'd show someone else. I think I actually would eventually like that song on another album. Still, Palisades Park, God of Ocean Tides, Scarecrow to me. The verses only... of Elvis and Dislocation to me, but, but yeah, like but I said, I know. the other albums, songs like that where the chorus have been so bad, have easily been left off the al- uh, left off my ranking rather. But yeah. this one I didn't. I had to include them because they had parts I enjoyed, but still, just not the same. No, it's such a scattered album. It doesn't feel right. It feels wrong. Something about it feels wrong. And I, this band is going to keep going for sure. I mean. I don't think they know how to do anything else. <laughs> this is what they do, and this is what they love to do. They love to perform, and they love to make records. 
And very recently, I saw a post from Jim Bogus, who I follow on Facebook, and someone was asking, oh, when are you coming to tour around, blah, blah, blah. And he was saying, oh, we just have two days left on the tour uh, out in Europe. I actually think they're going to be playing with Alison Krauss in oh, Dublin, nice. or maybe London, or maybe both. Um, but he also said, and then we're going to uh, record another, like a song. Did he say record or yeah. write? I don't even remember which one it was. So my theory is that I've read Adam saying he thought maybe this album somewhere under Wonderland would have made a better impact on people would have gotten more notice. I'm not or something like that. And he just sort of didn't know how to release songs nowadays and release music. And maybe it's the idea that the album is just coming to a close and now it's all singles and whatnot. So I'm curious, unless they're just going to record another cover of something or I don't know, I'm curious if they are writing one song, releasing it as a single or something like that. I don't know if that's something that they would do. I'm just curious if they're going to start releasing music differently. I hope not. I don't ever want them to stop making albums. Yeah, I'm really interested for the next album. And again, just looking at the like the amount of time they take in between records, the first four records had three years in between. And then from Hard Candy to Saturday Nights was six years. Right. And then from Saturday Nights to Somewhere Under Wonderland was another six years. I'm so, assuming the next one would come out 2020. 2020. So we've got a little more time to wait and we'll be there to have you know an addendum podcast when that comes out. But... And, you know, I never followed Counting Crows as much as I did uh, after Saturday Nights and Sunday Mornings was already out. So I don't know if I would have felt this way, you know, after Hard Candy or any of the previous albums. But there's something about this phase that they're in that I'm... I'm ready for it to be over. That Well, there's that, but I'm also doubtful that they're going to make a big leap all these albums to unless, me have been big leaps unless they expand upon palisades park for the next record and have sort of these long progressive type this desert life even sounds but stretched out to an extreme i don't know maybe i mean i don't think they can write here's killer what, rock songs where he screams anymore here's one thing i will say though at the last show we went to they only played two songs from this album mm -hmm. and they were god of ocean tides and palisades park arguably the two best songs on the record for sure that gives me hope in some sense that maybe they are weaning themselves off of that folksy i don't think that's no. how they decide their set lists all right i think <laughs> they, they add songs they put songs on an album because they like the songs and if they like the songs they like the songs and it's what they wanted to play that night honestly i don't know i don't really know where they can go from here because i've been seeing them live even every year since this album came out and they as a band haven't really like changed a whole lot i don't know they I'm curious. I'm nervous. No matter what, I will be there and you will be there too. Absolutely. To listen to whatever new music Counting Crows puts out. I freaking love this band, but we are not done yet. We still so have to talk yeah, about Yeah, let's not end on necessarily a sour note. Sure. We're going to talk about our top five favorite, you know, Counting Crows B sides or non album tracks, other singles, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's a bunch of music that they release sort of scattered through their albums that are some great stuff, and yeah. I want to talk about them. All right, so why don't you start us off happily? My number five B-side slash non-album track is Einstein on the Beach, in parentheses, Foreign Eggman, which is a song that they recorded as part of their first 15-song flying demo CD. It's wild. Great song. 
My number five pick is their cover of Friend of the Devil by the Grateful Dead. Very nice. My number four is actually an unreleased, unrecorded song that is co-written by Courtney Cox. What? What? (laughs) I don't even know this one. Called Barely Out of Tuesday. I'm excited to hear this. My number four pick is She Don't Want Nobody Near. Nice. My number three pick is their cover of Joni Mitchell's Big Yellow Taxi. Very nice. Okay, I've got a little dark horse here for you. My number three pick is their cover of Girl from the North Country by Bob Dylan. Live wow. cover. Yeah. The opening song on Echoes. I never Echoes. thought that hit you before. Oh my God. Sick. Unbelievable I'm so cover. happy you put that on there. My number two pick is the song Chelsea, which is a hidden track at the end of the VH1 storyteller side of Across a Wire. My number two song is Einstein on the Beach for an Eggman. Wow. Love that song. Nice. And my number one is the perfect pop song, Accidentally in Love. As is mine. Number one non-album track is Accidentally in Love. I love that song. All right, let's start with my number five pick, their cover of the Grateful Dead's Friend of the Devil. This was fighting for me, I will say. It's always been great, and this is before I even knew the original. And all of my friends, uh, there's one specifically, my friend Manny, grew up uh, listening to The Grateful Dead, and I played this for him, and he did not like it. So people who are deadheads (laughs) are not going to like it. Are not going to like this, because it's very slowed down, but I feel like the song comes out more. I think this song is way better than the original. I I love their version. It is beautiful the acoustic guitar picking and descending the multiple guitars it's the gorgeous multi-part harmony that just erupts out of this song it's huge it's just way better i love this song this was produced it's interesting in this period i don't exactly remember what year this came out but friend of the devil accidentally in love and the song she don't want nobody near were all produced by this guy brendan o'brien I don't know if you know who that is. Are you kidding me? Who is that? Main producer for Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots. Really? Yeah, all these big well, 90s there we rock go. bands. I just thought that was interesting to point out. But this is a really, really nice cover. He just adds so many more melodies to it. Uh, just go out and listen to it. Seriously, I, I, I didn't have too much to say about it. I mean, they... They made it their own. My was, favorite part. Got two reasons why I cry away these lonely nights. So good. The first one's named Sweet Emery. guitar. They've also got a great live version of this on their live album, Echoes of the Outlaw Roadshow, which we didn't discuss. Well, I, one of my picks was the lead song on that album. Yes. So yeah, definitely good pick. Okay, next let's talk about your number four pick, some unreleased song that I've never heard, Barely Out of Tuesday. I think at some point, 
I played this for you. I don't know what you th- what you thought of it necessarily, but I stumbled upon this randomly a few years ago. I only found out recently it was co-written by Courtney Cox. There was this live version, which I'm going to have to rip off YouTube to insert here so you can listen to it. <laughs> um, but he says in there, I don't know from what year the recording is, but Adam says, a little while ago, I, I taught a friend of mine to play piano. One day I came home and she was just playing this stuff and it was really fucking good. So I stole it and she and I wrote it together and it's called Barely Had a Tuesday. And I only found out recently it was Courtney Cox. But there's something so Counting Crow, so Adam Duritz about this song in the lyrics, even though I don't know what lyrics or melodies or whatnot were written by Courtney. Also, it's just kind of crazy that Courtney Cox's actress kind of wrote this song <laughs> that I actually really, really like. Um, so many great melodies. And this room feels like an oven somewhere south of nowhere, north of nothing. And then just the end of the chorus. Maybe you could leave a light on, leave a light on. It's so great. It feels so nice. Josh doesn't know this song at all. (laughs) (laughs) They have a whole library of unreleased bootleg demos or leaked stuff that there's so much good stuff. We were trying to focus on just their main body of work, but I'm glad you showed us this. Yeah, this is the best. It's just, it's Counting Crows ballad gold. Next, let's talk about my number four pick, She Don't Want Nobody Near. was also on my list but to be honest they don't have too many b-sides and unreleased tracks and a lot of them are very good it was kind of hard to, to yeah, make this got list good stuff. for sure this one i found on the greatest hits album which yeah. by the way has a lot of these songs that we picked friend of the devil um she don't want nobody near Eggman, yep. big yellow taxi if you don't have the version of hard candy and accidentally in love so all and they were get- considering it part of their greatest hits yeah i'm surprised I don't know if they meant for this one to be like, oh, this is one of Counting Crow's greatest no, hits. No, it's the extra like, track that they This is their on. way right. of right, releasing this song. But the song is huge and orchestral sounding, probably because of the percussion especially. I love the percussion in this song. Yeah. A great contrast from the verse to the B section. Oh man, th- th- there's just so many parts of this song I love. And there's beautiful background vocals. The Hammond organ is in there. Yeah. Oh man. This song was co-written and produced, but co-written by Brendan O'Brien, actually, which is interesting. I wonder what his contributions were. Great melodies throughout. This is from the same time period as Accidentally in Love and Hard Candy. And so it's very clear to me, like, the phase that they're in. But you know what's interesting? I read that this song was debuted in 1998 along with Sundays and St. Robinson. So these songs have been kicking around for a while. Oh, so you actually found that Sundays yeah. was, wow. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. Cool. Maybe it's just the production is a little more pristine and poppy. It is. But it, it, the production is very hard candy on here. Yeah. Melodically, I love the, don't you wonder why it's dark outside at night. Do you think that's good, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> There's so many good melodies on this. Just check this song out. It's, it's so good. Next, we're going to talk about Adam's number three pick, the Joni Mitchell cover, and their big hit, Big Yellow Taxi. Hey, I'm, 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 
Jam. I, I love this song. I how much I like this song yeah. and how well they did making it their own. Again, we talked earlier in the podcast about how they originally recorded the song just Adam on vocals, no Vanessa Carlton, and it was a much more like hip-hoppy beat. Not like it was actually hip-hop. It was still like an acoustic kind of band song, but this is a remix, but the remix is the one that got huge. And the production, you said, is probably the most poppy they've ever gotten, but it's so good. There are so many nice textures that come in here and there and great melodies. I don't know the original that well, but I just love that. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone? And specifically that, hey, farmer, farmer, put away your DDT. I don't care about spots on my apples. Leave His me the vocal birds performance is so good. Fantastic. On this Again, song. this is still the hard ca- uh, candy era, obviously, and his vocals sound pristine and the melodies are so good. This is such a pop gem. I'm, I'm proud of them that it became a big hit. I mean, it's not their song, but they do a fantastic cover of this. Speaking of fantastic covers, let's talk about my number three pick, their cover of Bob Dylan's, their live cover of Bob Dylan's Girl from the North Country. So first of all, this is a classic Bob Dylan song from his second album. And this is actually, it's one of my favorite, if not my favorite Bob Dylan song. Oh, so you know the song. So I know this song very well. And that's why it's just a testament to how good their version is that I still adore this version. Mm. Oh my God. It's just somehow more beautiful, especially with Adam's emotional drawn out vocals and the figure picked guitar. Yeah. And the chord Amy. changes are stunning yeah are stunning to hear these oh my god he lets the guitar breathe so much there are so many beautiful guitar moments and harmonics and little strums and squeaks and hammer-ons that he does oh man this cover really evokes the early august and everything after era of adam and the crows Mm -hmm. and sort of his vocal rambling but it is beautiful and i just it's a long cover. It's about over six minutes. Yeah. I love every second. Often wonder if she, I often wonder if she met her man. Oh my God. I, I love this song. Check this one out. Yeah. Next, we're going to talk about your number two pick. Should have made my list was a big contender. Chelsea. There's something about the buildings in Chelsea that just kills me. Anything different these days Light in her eyes goes out I never had light in This song was when I discovered it, of course, I was just like, oh my god, I latched onto it so hard. It's so nice and Adam at piano, but three horns going on. He's got trumpet, trombone, and saxophone. And it's beautiful. And by the way, you know what's interesting is that on Palisades Park, the person playing trumpet in the intro is Curtis Watson. And Curtis Watson is the trumpet player on Chelsea all those years ago. So they're still connected. It's just 
beautiful, beautiful melodies. There's something about the buildings in Chelsea that kills me. I love that. Jazzy noodles all over the place from the rest of the horns and whatnot. Oh, there's re- something really nice about this song. You just have to listen to it. The ending of Maybe Things Are Different, Maybe Things Are Different. Oh, man, I, I love this song also. La, 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 la. The verses just feel like New York City. Something about the buildings in Chelsea. <laughs> but something <laughs> about him on piano and these horns. Something about just the horns and talking about Chelsea. It really does feel like walking in the city. Mm. Next, let's talk about your number five pick and my number two pick, Einstein on the Beach. Sounds so young and yelpy here. This is like classic old school Counting Crow sound, but sprightly and bright and sort of a murder of one type sound, Rain King more than anything else. This is the era before they stripped down, you know, like what we were talking about in Everything After. That's right, this was recorded in 91 or something. Yeah, Yeah. so this is still them with, I guess, what they consider their Roxy Music sound, but it's a really cool song. I remember when I got into this album, I got so excited by this song, specifically that chorus, and that you know me and, yes, <laughs> and these do. guitar noodles, but for an man, and those chorus ahs, just great chord change. That's the best part of the song to, to me. me. Just like accidentally in love, it's a song where every single part has an incredible melody, and they just flow into each other so well. There's so many in one song. Charlie has a nice Hammond solo. Yeah. Oh man. Great um, drum fills on this too. You were saying that you liked the second verse in Mr. Jones a lot. This, all of his verse vocals here sound like that. That sort of yelpy, Albus always sincere. He's a sensitive type. Right. His intentions are clear. He wants to be well liked. And then he lets loose the uncracked his head wide open. Yeah. The... yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's something it's like so Pearl Jam right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brendan O'Brien is, is around somewhere. Yeah, so. Fair enough. I love the what you fear in the night is the day comes to call anyway. And at the very end of the song, you and I were listening well, in the car drum yesterday. Skittering, yeah, it's just like a very bass. nice way to end to end the song. Very cool song. I love that they included something from 1991 on their album, on their uh, Greatest, Greatest Hits, Hits album. album. Very cool song. And finally, let's talk about our number one collective favorite B-side non-album track of theirs, Accidentally in Love. This song is just pop perfection, and yeah. it's is just everything. I, yeah. I love this song. This is one of their biggest hits, and in my mind, one of their best pop songs. I mean, agreed. This is the I song wish this was that got me into candy, them. To be perfectly honest, yeah, it would have been a great it hard been candy very, song. Very it sounds high. just like it. I mean, it's that's very much the sound that they were in at the time. Every single Melody. part is gold. Well, there's that too. I mean, it's everything. Yeah, I love it, and just like the most random 
bridge for like two seconds of these lines of light mean mean we're never Never alone never alone no no it's just like i don't know where that came from but it works so perfectly there adam is very proud of the song i think he really loves that he was able to write an unabashed song about being in love at the same time as he wrote on a tuesday in amsterdam long ago which is nuts i wonder if they're about the same They're person both about uh, falling in love and then having to let it go yeah perhaps that's sort of the accident i guess i don't know it feels very 60s especially with that boom kaka boom ka right kaka right. which i don't think the band actually utilizes a whole lot one of my favorite little lyrics that doesn't isn't necessarily anything special but oh baby i surrender to strawberry ice cream I it's just specifically, I'm sorry, specifically it's, it off. baby, I surrender to the strawberry ice cream never ever ender. Specifically, Adam has said, I may never write a line that good. He loves that line. It's a great line. He thinks line. it's a great, he's just like, what's, what better way to describe falling in love than strawberry ice cream? <laughs> Which honestly, I've recently gotten back into strawberry ice cream, <laughs> I have to say. Um, and I agree with that. In general, a lot of parts of this song and every single part it's another song that kind of keeps on giving maybe mm. not in as many ways as angels of the but from a or pop Cowboys. melody perspective yeah there's absolutely. just all these little pieces that come here you're come excited in here for every part of the song to come up next yeah. and it's just it's just fantastic and in terms of the production also you know kind of like uh, big yellow taxi there are just instrumental things happening here and there there's this that comes in your writer at one point it's just like very cool <laughs> i like the song a lot the song is fantastic almost one the oscar lost to the motorcycle diaries stupid yeah. song but this this song is perfect and it is a great introduction to the pop counting crows and addictive as all hell hell yeah and just lastly some uh, other notable b-sides or n- not even b-sides i guess they're just kind of non-album tracks baby i'm a big star now which was featured on the movie rounders never one of my favorites the Sorry. chorus i really love the chorus all these seasons all this time it's very cool um, so we were mentioning before Gemma Hayes, uh, in terms of on a Tuesday in Amsterdam long ago, uh, but they included this song hazy that Adam co-wrote with Gemma, uh, one night, like drunk at a bar. Uh, they included it on new Amsterdam, uh, live at Heineken hall, that live album. I just love the story behind him playing it. He sat down to play long December for the show. And then he just like decided, I'm going to try to remember what we came up with the other night. And you can hear him kind of struggling through it, like in one spot, but it's a really short, nice Adam Duritz ballad. So I would definitely suggest giving that a listen. I do like Hazy. The only other song that I would really push for is another cover. I really like their studio cover of Blues Run the Game. I I don't actually know the studio version of that. I love the one that came as a bonus to the same uh, album I was just talking about, to New Amsterdam. Oh, okay. There's a version of him and Immy doing that just like they did for Girl from North Country. It's really nice. It sounds it's, really, It's a similar really nice. space. It's just really be- spacious acoustic guitar. Really well done. I agree. Thanks for listening to Top 5 Disco, part six in our in-depth discussion, dissection, debate, and analysis of Counting Crow's entire discography. Now that we've discussed the band's latest album, covers album, b-sides, and non-album tracks, tune in next week where we welcome two new special guests to the podcast for a roundtable discussion of all things Counting Crows and wrap up our entire discography deep dive with our worst and best lists. But before that, we want to know your thoughts, your opinions, and your personal top fives for Counting Crows. 
What are your top five favorite songs on Somewhere Under Wonderland and why? What are your top five favorite Counting Crows covers? What are your top five favorite B-sides and non-album tracks? Where do you think the Counting Crows will go next? Reach out and let us know. You can support us and help Top 5 Disco grow simply by subscribing to this podcast so you can get the new episodes as soon as they come out. And you can find and follow us on Facebook and Twitter and now Instagram for behind-the-scenes goodies and an easy way to connect. Also, don't forget to tell your music-loving friends and family all about us. Thank you so much again for listening. Tune in next time. And remember, it's really all disco. Disco.